Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. All right, friends, welcome to episode 34 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I am your co-host, Kevin DeShazo, along with Mark Hodgkin. Excited to get back with you guys. Uh, Mark, how are things going your way? Things are good. We've been... Uh... Uh, busy start of 2020. You know, a lot of our people kept seeing things out of there on Twitter saying, oh man, I can't believe it's still January. I've kind of felt exactly the opposite, that the things are just kind of buzzing along. Now we're already midway through February. And we talked about it a little bit on one of the earlier podcasts, but uh, my new job at uh, Ticket Socket is, uh, is going well, learning a lot there. Um, it's definitely a, um, an exciting time and a, and a neat position. Um, so learning a lot, but uh, definitely staying busy. Um, hopefully we can get back on track with these podcasts. Uh, it's been a little bit of a time. Uh, we have a great one coming up uh, that uh, we had some audio issues with, unfortunately, but uh, excited about that and getting us back on track. Awesome. I love it. Good to see that the, the new job is going well. 2020, same. It's, it's been busy. Uh, we, we hosted a large leadership summit um, here in Oklahoma City in, in late January that we recorded and will be available to teams and organizations um, here in early to mid-March. Um, just got back from a ski trip with family, which was awesome, except for the fact that it just reminded me that I'm not as young as I once was. Last ski trip was was 20 years ago, uh, and, and my body is is feeling that. So, But it's it's been a good good start to 2020. Um, about to start hitting the road and visiting teams and organizations. So it's, it's um, always a good time. I'm excited to get into this episode. Uh, it actually stems from an email that I sent uh, on the Culture Wins daily email, probably in, in early January, around my, my 10, now 11-year-old son, and um, a story that kind of came out of a basketball practice that, that he was involved in, really about how leaders aren't above the work and how leaders should be with their team. It was interesting, the feedback I got from that email had, had actually a significant amount of feedback from it, which is, which is fun. Uh, but I think it'd be a great conversation for, for us to have and, and really practical and applicable for, for everyday leaders. All right, let's jump right in. Uh, Kevin, I know uh, we talked about a little bit in the open about the story involving your son at basketball practice. Um, you know, I do I do read the email every morning, and that was one of the ones I fired back to you saying, you know, let's, let's talk about this on a podcast. I thought it was so cool. So why don't you uh, tell the story a little bit uh, more in detail for those who maybe haven't heard it? Yeah, so my, my 10, now 11-year-old son, we were at basketball practice, um, and they were running some kind of dribbling drill, uh, and he ended up winning winning that drill. And, and the prize for um, the, the award for not for, for winning that drill was you don't have to run sprints with the team at the end of practice. Uh, now, my, my son, like most kids, hates sprints to begin with. So he was, he was pretty excited about that. Uh, so he, he wins the drill and then they go over to, to run sprints and he's standing there with his team. And I think the coach just thought that he had misunderstood. He's like, hey, Gabe, you're good, man. Like, you don't, you don't have to run. And he said there, he's like, no, like you, you won. Like you, you can, you don't have to run. You can, you can hang out over here. Like you, you've earned the right. And my son, he, he looks over and said, no coach, I, I want to be with the team. You know, I need to get better. And so as a dad, I'm standing over there like, are you kidding? Like, this is crazy crowd getting emotional over it. It's like emotional over everything, but it's, it's just one of those moments. I'm like, yes, he, he gets it. And he didn't have to, he wouldn't have been wrong right. For not running. Like he earned the right to not run, run sprints. And, and the other kids, had he not run, probably would have not liked it. Right. Cause they would, they would have resented the fact that he's not running, even though he'd earned the right. And like, gosh, I can't believe he gets to stand over there 
but he just had the awareness and the intentionality and the empathy and the leadership, whatever, like all these things that I don't, I have not given to him. It's just kind of innate into who he is um, to say, no coach, I need to be with the team. And so he's out there running sprints with the team. I told him after, I said, I gave up. that may be like my most proud moment of you. Cause like you didn't have to run and you wouldn't have been wrong, but you were right for running with the team. That's, that's what leaders do. Uh, and so it was just a really powerful moment for me. Um, and just a reminder, like we can learn from everywhere, right? We can learn from our, our 10 year old kids, um, stories of leadership and, and how this stuff applies are, are everywhere. So that was kind of the story, um, around my, my son Gabe. And I just thought it was really powerful, um, and really applies to, to how leaders should be operating on a daily level. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome story. can't imagine how proud you must have been uh, watching that because I can't, um, thinking back to my days when I played sports, uh, hated wind sprints just as much. I, I, don't, I don't think I could have pictured myself doing that, especially at 10 years old. It's just kind of staggering. And so it, I think it, it got me thinking, too. Um, definitely you can learn stuff from, from anywhere in unexpected places. I'm sure you didn't go to a, um, you know, a 10-year-old's basketball practice expecting to pick up a, a leadership nugget. But it's really amazing how that worked out. But you know, I thought about it in, you know, even when us grownups are in a work environment and, you know, there's always different levels of either, you know, status or salary or, or you know, any other kind of uh, differentiator that we have in the workplace. And, you know, you, you think about how people act when they have the ability to get out of, you know, menial tasks or, or, or what. And, you know, the people that I think you remember as leaders that you want to, especially a leader you want to follow, are those that aren't afraid to kind of roll it, roll up their sleeves, get into the into the details of work uh, with people who are, you know, way down the totem pole where they don't have to. Um, I think we've all had experiences with that. Um, I think we've all had experiences with like the exact opposite of somebody who's just kind of, you know, okay, uh, you guys take care of all this. I'm, I'm heading out. See you later. And it doesn't help. And again, there's times where you know, leaders aren't going to be in a position to dive into the trenches on everything. They might have other issues to come up. Um, so this isn't, uh, I don't think it's something where every leader is, in, is expected to, we're talking about college sports, jump into the t-shirt rolling situation or something like that. But, but man, what an impact it can make in certain cases when uh, somebody dives into the trenches, especially as a leader. hundred percent. And it's, and that's, you hit on the head is that it's not that a leader has to do this all the time. Because yes, they have other things that they they should be doing, but doing. But when they have a few minutes, or when they see the team is involved in something, and they and they have the time or capacity to help out, um, they should do it. Uh, and it's not that it's wrong not to, um, but it's the right thing to do, right? They don't they don't have to do it. It's not like they're going to lose influence by not doing it because nobody's expecting them to do it. They, people know it's not their job. People know it's not their responsibility. Um, but when they when they do step in and do that, they actually gain influence. Um, and, it, and it builds trust, it builds credibility, uh, it builds commitment, all these things to look over and see, wait, that's our AD, like sweeping the floors. He didn't have to do that. Um, and it's and it's not a thing of, because the flip side, they say, well, I'm doing it because nobody's doing it. No, that's that's not the point, right? It's it's just stepping in and serving when you have the capacity, when you see the need. Uh, because I think what what too often happens is, you know, leaders preach this, this family style this this we got to sacrifice for the team and for the vision um, but they actually want everyone else to do that and and so they'll sit back while the team is doing the work while the team is actually trying to get better uh, and they pull the boss card and it's like well I'm, I'm the boss like I'm, I'm above that or i'm too busy for that um, and again sometimes that's true like that's that's okay um, but the influence that you'll gain 
by just being aware of those times where you can actually step in and link arms and, and be alongside the team um, as opposed to leading from the front or leading from the top or however you want to describe that, but to actually say, like, no, I'm not above anything. Um, because you wouldn't allow your staff to say, well, that's not my job. You know, I, I'm above that. And so as leaders, we shouldn't have that mindset either. Like we're not above anything. Is it our job? No. Should we do it all the time? No. But every now and then we should step in uh, and serve right alongside our team. Yeah. And from a almost even pragmatic standpoint, I mean, if you, you're down there picking up the slack when you don't have to, um, who has uh, any excuses at that point, right? I mean, who's, who's going to say, um, well, the intern didn't show up to do that, uh, that job that I needed to get posters put up around campus. So, you know, I'm a director. I'm not going to go ahead and do that. You know, once that, that, that culture is kind of set from the top, I think, you know, it creates a, this effect where everybody wants to do it as well. And everybody's willing to kind of jump in and, and, and it's, you know, it's a really hard culture to create without living it. Right. I mean, you talk about that a lot in, in some of your, uh, your emails and the things you talk about, but you, know, you can't do this by putting up a, a slogan on your desk that, you know, everybody has to pitch in because it's a teamwork and teamwork makes the dream work and stuff. You're only going to be able to really institute that and really instill that in the team, you know, by acting on it and by, and by living it. And you know, sometimes it comes at the smallest times where, you know, 10 minutes of doing something, will have more impact than, you know, the rest of the year on, on how people judge you as a leader. And I think too, it's, it's, you know, as leaders, we always want people to be, to go the extra mile. Well, as leaders, are we willing to go the extra mile? And again, like we're not trying to put a burden on leaders. This isn't an everyday, all, all, all day long type of thing. But when the, when it, when the time calls for it, are you willing to actually go the extra mile and lead what you expect from your team? Um, and, and, you hit it on the head in a couple points. Number one, like that's going to take people, the complaining will probably go away, right? So if the leader's out doing this, the team is probably not going to complain about having to do that same task. Um, the other thing I think it can really impact in terms of influence and culture um, is when they see the leader doing those things and not, not making it a big deal, right? Not saying I'm doing this because nobody else doing it, not like trying to draw attention, just being there with the team and serving and helping out. Uh, a lot of issues that people will find within teams will suddenly start to go away. Right. The, the, the things that they typically complain about that cause drama and gossip and, and toxic things in culture will start to go away because there's now relationship and trust because the leader is present with people. Um, and so that insanely positive thing is going to far outweigh all the negative things that they could be talking about. And it doesn't mean those go away, but a lot of times those negative things aren't really that, that big of a deal, but they become a big deal because there's nothing on the other side um, to, to balance those out and, and to give them like help them feel good about the culture and about the environment and about the team. Um, but when those things are actually there, the negative things become less of an issue. And so I think it's a massive opportunity for leaders um, to shape culture, to shape influence um, and, and remind their people of, Hey, we're not just talking about this stuff. We're I, I'm here to live it as well. I don't, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm living it alongside you. And so that's, that's a great example. We always say that leaders define culture um, and that's going to be good or bad. And so if you, if you want that culture of connection and sacrifice from the team, the leader has to go first. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, as, as human beings, all of us filter almost anything that happens around us, especially in the workplace, um, you filter it through the underlying feelings you have about either the, the person or the organization or whatever. So if somebody has uh, this kind of good, good feeling about, you know, 
this is somebody who I want to follow. This is somebody who will pick up the hard work. This is somebody who will be there for me when I need to. All the other things, you get benefit of the doubt on other issues when you have to make tough calls that aren't popular with the team. You know, the flip side being when you look at your boss or somebody in the organization self-serving and, and, and status obsessed, um, you know, every other little thing gets filtered through that prism and becomes worse. And that's, that's kind of the erosion or the, the building of a, of a healthy foundation. So I think, you know, again, I've been in organizations with, with both these kind of, of leaders, you know, and it's very clear and it's not, it's not about what they say up in a staff, staff meeting. It's, it's what happens after uh, the basketball game um, or, you know, on a, a Friday when, you know, things are, are going slow and, and, you know, one person on the team is, is really tapped out and needs, needs some help. You know, it's those kind of things. And you know, it really does make a huge difference. Um, one thing is we're kind of talking through this, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. You know, one, one thing that jumps to mind and I hear from a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who are, um, you know, kind of growing into their careers, especially if they're at one place is how do you, how do you take a step up in status and, and kind of fill that role and not be looked at, you know, like, I'll use an example, talk to people who joined an organization as an intern, um, absolute lowest on a totem pole. Done a good job, right? Risen up to an assistant director, a director, maybe an assistant AD, um, and and I think it's always hard to establish what you are that you're not just that intern and join the team. You know that you are a leader in the organization and and somebody needs to follow. And you know it, it's hard because I think sometimes you need to act the part, and you know you feel pressure to say, "I'm not the guy you just." rolls t-shirts, you know, and that, uh, I'm doing more, more stuff. And I think that's, you know, a tricky part. And I'm kind of curious what you would say to somebody in that position um, who's trying to establish themselves as a leader. Um, and maybe they're thinking, you know, I need to, I need to act a little bit different. You know, it's, it, maybe it's the way I'm dressing. It's the way I'm talking. It's my new office. It's how I interact with students. Um, it's how I interact with our interns. Um, Cause I think you do have to, to act the part to a, to a bit, but, you know, I think it's important not to, not to go, crazy with the with the status but how what, what advice would you give somebody who's trying to maybe walk that line that's a great question and i, I think some of you said is is that absolutely it it's it's number one i think is how do you how do you view yourself if you view, view yourself as just an intern then you're going to be just an intern right that's how you're going to act and you're just going to focus on intern duties i'm here to roll the shirts i'm here to do whatever um and and not take any ownership or real responsibility or even care that much about the level of work that you do and, and if that's all you want to be, great. But too many take that mindset and then get frustrated that they don't have more influence or get frustrated that they don't have more opportunity. It's like, well, you've been here for six months and you've only acted like an intern. Um, it, you know, that would say dress for the job that you want. I think also think and act like the job that you want. Now, that doesn't mean you're trying to overstep your boundaries of um, telling a director how to do their job. You know, you can ask questions. I think I think you can ask questions to maybe steer some things um, instead of giving giving direction, so to speak. Um, so I think a lot of it is, is how you view yourself. Uh, I think it's, it's showing an interest in more than what you do. So even going to maybe it's your boss or your boss's boss saying, Hey, I'd love to learn about this. Can I sit in on some of these meetings? Um, and so it's showing that you're, you're not just here to be an intern. You're here to understand the organization. You're here to understand how they operate, how pe certain people think and why they make decisions they do. So you can be an even better intern. But again, that's, that's all this has to come with a level of, humility versus trying to prove yourself. Um, because to, if you try to do that, you're just going to overstep your bounds and look like an idiot. Um, and they're going to say, man, this guy's, he's just trying way too hard. 
But if you come in and it's like, I'm an intern, but I don't, I'm not just an intern. And so what does that, what does that look like? How can you take ownership of things? How can you, how can you go to your boss and say, Hey, I'd love to take some things off your plate. I know, I know like my responsibilities over here, make sure you do those really, really well. And if you got the capacity to say, Hey, what else can I take off your plate? Like, I'm, I'm sure you're busy. I'd, I'd love to, to learn some more because people, those are the people that get invested in and developed, right? Because they're eager, they're taking initiative. They're not sitting back and, and wondering like, gosh, why, why is nobody giving me anything to do? Well, go find something to do. Um, go, go insert yourself into situations respectfully, right? So that you can understand more about the organization, more about how leaders operate. Um, and then even thinking through, we've talked about it before, but with the influence model, the, the character, chemistry, competency, and credibility, where are you at on those things? What can you, what can you do to build on each of those areas as you're trying to potentially move up inside of an organization? And it may even, it may not even be, you know, let's say it's a six month internship and it's over and they may not have, have space, but you're, if, if you've done those things, you are the person they're going to make sure gets a job somewhere else. Say, Hey, like we don't have space here. We really wish we did, but we will do everything we can because the way you've operated, you're going to be an incredible asset to an organization. We want to help you find something. And maybe in a couple of years, when something opens up there, you come back. Otherwise it's just, Hey, thanks. Thanks for the work. See you next time. You know? Yeah. There's so much that's out of your control. I think that's where maybe uh, young people can get frustrated, you know, in their careers of, Hey, I did everything right. And it didn't work out. Well, that's, that's how it's going to be. Sometimes there's, there's, there's things you can control and there's things you can influence and there's things you have no control or really no influence on either. Um, so you really gotta, you've, you've always got to focus on those, those areas of, of, uh, influence but even more so the things that you control completely and i think if you're you know if you do have the opportunity to stay in an organization this is something you have to really consider quite a bit and really think about and be intentional with is how do you want to be viewed as you you know you're if, if you're a riser and you're a leader and you're somebody who you know wants the big chair and is going to have to move up you're going to start lapping some of your peers, whether it's, you know, people who joined at the same time as an assistant director or uh, people you were in the intern class with or the GA class with, um, if we're using the college example again, um, you're going to have to do that. And, you know, the worst thing I think that you can do is, is, is hold that over their head or, um, you know, nobody wants to feel like somebody's, uh, you know, a self-interested riser um, in an organization. You know, you have to, live out these kind of things like we're talking about. And I think these are the examples, you know, when, when you do the things right and you do it for the right reasons and, you know, you, you move forward, people are going to have to adjust and they're going to understand it. And they're going to say, at least this is somebody who I can see why they have risen past me. Um, you know, they treat me with respect. They don't, they don't act like a jerk when they get their next promotion. And, you know, they, they do those little things. They're here to help. When I was underwater on this project, they were there to kind of help out. And, you know, at the end of the day, there could still be resentment from, from others when you do get promoted and you do rise in an organization. But, you know, again, control what you control by how you treat the other people around you and, and how you, you know, show up to work every day, day in, day out. Absolutely. And just because you're trying to move up, just because you have some ambition doesn't mean you don't live with humility. <laughs> it doesn't. And, and what will actually happen is, is the, usually the people who are doing those things, they will rise faster because most people are just okay going through the motions. Like I'm just going to do the bare minimum. I'm not going to do any more than they asked of me for whatever reason. But then those same people expect more, right? Why didn't I get promoted? Why didn't I get the job? It's like, well, cause you just barely did what you, what was asked of you. Whereas this person over here, like they went above and beyond, had to try to learn more about the organization. Um, but as you do that, 
you still have the humility in the midst of that. It's like, it's not, you're, you're right. People see when it's self-serving, you don't want to be, be the person who's showing up and like your first month in, Hey, when do I get promoted? How do I get promoted? How do I get promoted? When do I get to be the sales manager, it's like, no, just work. You know, <laughs> it's like, because those people, it's, it's obvious that it's all about them. We've, we've worked with those people because all they care about is getting promoted so they can have a better title and maybe a bit bigger paycheck which is not about building influence or serving other people. It's, it's all about them. And so it's, it's balancing that ambition. It's like, if you want to get promoted, if you want to get from, from here to here, realize like the way to do that is to serve people. And then when you get to that level, you keep serving people. And when you get to the next level, you keep serving people because too often you get that promotion and all of a sudden you're, you're above all these people. It's like, no, you're still there to serve. Like you're still there to help other people get better it's not about what you can get. And, and that seems countercultural in this, it, you know, we've created this environment where it's, you go take yours, right? You get what you deserve, um, what's, what's, what's right for yours, and you go take it. It's like, well, that's pretty selfish. Um, so work hard, do all the right things. Maybe you get promoted, maybe you don't, right? Because we can't control all these things. But in the midst of it, still make sure that you're, you're investing in, you're fighting for, um, and serving alongside other people. You know what a lot of this comes back to is the idea that, all of us are replaceable um, in an organization. Um, you know, there, especially if you're somebody who's risen and gotten promoted and are a big part of something new at your organization, or you know, you, you've been a huge change agent. Even an A plus employee, you know, the sad truth of it, or just the reality of it, I would say, is that you know, the place will still move after you're gone. Nobody's irreplaceable. You're going to have to be there, do your best. But again, once you start thinking that. You are the department. You are the program. I mean, how many coaches have we seen that have gone down this this path of uh, something terrible happening because they they are the program? I am so and so state football. I am so and so tech basketball, and that's you know that's just uh, you know, again another kind of founding ideal that you know I think we should also try to inter- interpret that you know we might be doing a great job, we might be serving people, we might be doing really well. Um, but you know what? None of us, none of us are above uh, getting the job done, getting the work done, and, and helping, serving, as you said, serving other people around us. Because guess what? It, you could make a mistake and be gone, and then the place is still gonna, still gonna work. You know, the wheels are likely not to fall off. Um, there could be lean times, but guess what? Time goes on, and uh, I think that's just part of being being a humble uh, leader that you realize that and realize that you're not above. Again, kind of started on this of, of your son saying, you know, he wasn't above running wind sprints even when he could have. You know, it's you're not above giving back to the to the organization that you, that you work in, and and I think that's just you know, it's, it's a level of humility. Again, not one you see in most ten year olds. So it's it's really very cool story. And it's again, as you were just saying, it's complacency is the enemy, and it's easy to get complacent, especially if you've been somewhere for a long time. Um, but humility will always win. And, and you said it, you're, nobody's got the organization. Alabama football will live long after Nick Saban is gone. It was there before he got there. It'll be there after he leaves. It's not to undermine anything he's done. Obviously, he's had unbelievable success. But when you start to believe that you're bigger than the program, bigger than the company, bigger than the organization, bigger than the team, like you're, you're, you're heading down a road to disaster. And I, I've been there. When I was in a previous organization in the healthcare world, I was labeled the golden boy. Like that, People actually said, like, oh, Kevin's the golden boy. He can do no wrong. In my ego, like, that's right. I can't do any wrong. Like, I, I've earned all this. And I did because I worked my tail off. But pride set in. Complacency set in. And, I mean, it, my influence went down quick. 
Um, and I went from being like one of the most respected one of the top in the company to being like, people didn't want me there and they shouldn't have because I was negative. I was insecure. I was just a jerk, um, which is not who I am. But when complacency and ego sets in, like we're not the best version of ourselves. And so it's that reminder, man, we're never above anything. Leaders should, should be with their team, make time with their team. They're, we're never above the work. Um, and as we do that, we just continue to add value to the organization, which is going to prolong the amount of time we're able to be there because it's, you get to a certain level and you don't rest, you get to that level and you keep working and you keep serving. Um, and you, you, you don't take your foot off the gas. Like you, you just, you don't allow complacency to set in. Um, and that's a great way, um, to have a long career is to never get complacent. It's also really, really difficult. Um, but that's, I think the key is if, if you're not complacent, you're always learning uh, and you're always willing to help. All right. So really good conversation today. Um, excited to be back into the podcast swing here. Hope everybody's 2020 is off to a good start and you enjoyed that, that conversation. Um, again, really cool story you know, from Kevin's real experience and, and one that has so many lessons and, and hopefully uh, something that you can see and, and take with you on your leadership journey as well. So uh, Kevin, any final uh, thoughts before we close it out? Yeah. Again, it's just this reminder of how powerful humility is and that leaders are never above the team and really that we can learn lessons from anywhere. Um, if we're just aware, if, I think it's, if you have the mindset that you're always trying to get better and learn, you'll be amazed at the things you can actually learn from. And so always keep your eyes open for, for lessons that you can be learning to, to improve yourself and or the team. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's, it's so true. And when you're looking, you'll find so many different things. I always say to people, I've had good bosses and I've had not good bosses. And I've learned just about as much from the, the bad ones as the good ones. You know, they're different lessons, obviously. That's It's more what not to do, um, what you don't want to be as a leader. Um, but, you know, I think that is a great one to kind of take away that you have something to learn from just about every, not just about every person uh, that you come in, into contact with, whether they're old, uh, whether they're young, whether they're in your industry, whether they're not in your industry, whether you, frankly, whether you respect them or whether you don't. And, and you can just pick up so much more if you have your mind kind of open to, to learning things like that. So, again, really cool conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, another thing that I've, I've posted up, but uh, would love to hear from, from our listeners. We're doing, we're hoping to do a lot more interviews in 2020. I posted on my LinkedIn page, uh, taking some suggestions on who we should talk to. Um, if you think you would make a great guest, if you have somebody who's a leader in your life that you think would be a good conversation for us to have, we've gotten some great suggestions already. We're going to have them. You know, we're going to try to do more of those this year because I think it brings a great voice to the podcast to talk to different kinds of people and different kinds of leaders in sports. So um, reach out, find us on on Twitter. I'm at Mark underscore Hodgkin. Kevin is at Kevin DeShazo. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Sports Leadership Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.